Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to episode 304 of the Family Medicine Rocks podcast for Thursday, May 16, 2013. On today's show, very exciting show for you today, kids. Uh, the host of the Your Health Talk podcast will be joining me, if you didn't already know. They are medical students from the Kansas City area who created, written, produced this podcast. I don't know how they have the time to do it. We'll be talking about that. Uh, and then against my better judgment, that's right, uh, I will be uh, turning the show over to them for a little bit. They'll be interviewing me during this podcast, so very exciting. All that coming up and a lot more on episode 304 of the Family Medicine Rocks podcast starting right now. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, first of all, my name is Kendall Johnson. And I'm originally from uh, Pocatello, Idaho, and I'm attending school at the Kansas City University of Medicine and Biosciences. I'm Ryan Schmidt. I'm from Valparaiso, Indiana, and I'm also attending school at Kansas City University of Medicine and Biosciences. I'm David Reed. I'm from Fort Worth, Texas. I'm also at KCUMB, and we'd love for you to join us with Dr. Mike Sevilla on May 16th, uh, representing our podcast, uh, Your Health Talk, at yourhealthtalk.org. about medicine and social media. This is the Family Medicine Rocks Podcast. I'm your host. My name is Mike Savilla, your favorite family physician host. What is this show about? You know, I get that question a lot here. Uh, I tell people this is social media through the eyes of a family physician. I encourage you to check out my digital library of stuff at familymedicinerocks.com. And a shout out to everybody. Follow me on Twitter, all at 12,000. 408 people. Why? I have no idea, but I very much appreciate that. Also, a big shout-out to everybody who liked the Facebook page for this show, all 814 of you. Thank you so much for that. Today is Thursday, May 16, 2013. It is 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Central. And uh, here at Family Medicine Rocks World Headquarters, uh, wait for it, it uh, feels like 72 degrees Fahrenheit, and yes, finally spring has sprung here. My allergies are killing me, uh, and it is a nice day here in northeastern Ohio. How's everybody doing out there? Hope you're having a good week. It is already May. Can you believe that? Uh, and again, uh, I want to thank everybody for your continued support of this show, of the blog, of the uh, Facebook page. Um, I say this every time. I am humbled by people who want to listen and read and uh, uh, read all that stuff. So thank you so much uh, for that. Uh, a very exciting uh, show coming up for you here uh, today, kids. Uh, we're going to have the, the host of the Your Health Talk 
podcast. Check them out right now, unless you're driving. Uh, yourhealthtalk.org. And um, uh, big shout out to my uh, my good friend out that way, uh, uh, Dr. Ryan Newhoffel, uh, who uh, turned me on to, to their uh, to their show. He was interviewed by them a few weeks ago by his uh, very unique uh, uh, model of care called uh, direct medicine, direct primary care. Uh, and uh, that's kind of how uh, got together uh, with the uh, with the podcast. So that's going to be fun. We're going to be uh, talking about that um, and, and a lot more stuff. And uh, again, thanks everybody for people who have downloaded the last few shows. I've been out of town recently, doing some speaking, doing some hanging out, uh, causing some trouble, getting people upset, talking to people about family medicine revolution, all that good stuff. So uh, thank you so much uh, for uh, for that. But uh, we will uh, get started here. Uh, but first, I do want to thank Blog Talk Radio for having me be a featured host on this network. I don't know why, but uh, thank you so much for that. Uh, almost been, I think, five years now for this show. I've been a social media hobbyist since 2005. And if you're curious, yes, I am a real doctor. That's right. I am a family physician in full-time private practice, meaning I see patients in the hospital and in my office five days a week here in beautiful northeastern Ohio. Uh, so uh, I will take my break. And uh, Kansas City, stand by. We'll be coming to you right after this. You're listening to the Family Medicine Rocks podcast, the unofficial podcast of the Family Medicine Revolution. Just Google FM Revolution for more details. Also a proud member of the ProMed Network, a podcast. You can get there by going to promednetwork.com. And we will be right back. Family Medicine's leading voice in social media in my own mind. This is the Family Medicine Rocks podcast. My name is Mike Sabella. Go to familymedicinerocks.com and uh, to check me out. So on the live with us, very excited about this. They're going to overwhelm me very, very easily here. But uh, um, I have the host of the uh, Your Health Talk podcast, and uh, welcome to all of you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. All right. Well, why don't we just kind of get these started here? So, um, why don't we just start with uh, with Kendall, and we'll kind of go around the room, kind of so I kind of know who's there, uh, what your name is, where you're from, what year are you in school, and the key question to kind of start things out is, uh, you know, what why uh, is being a physician going to be the coolest job in the world? Why, why did you apply to medical school? Why don't I throw it to to Kendall first because you're on the hot seat. Lots of pressure there. <laughs> well, my name's Kendall Johnson. I'm originally from uh, Pocatello, Idaho, and uh, second year at Kansas City University of Medicine and Biosciences. And uh, probably the main reason I got into medicine was because uh, before this, I was a graphic designer, and uh, it got to the point where I was uh, I just kind of ran out, and I I got bored, and I was like, I needed I needed challenges, and I want to be able to do something that can actually uh, prolong people's lives and and add a uh, add meaning and value to it, so I went into medicine, and here I am. Well, uh, I'm Ryan Schmidt. I'm uh, also a second year at Kansas City University of Medicine and Biosciences, and I'm from Valparaiso, Indiana. As to why I got into medicine, 
Um, I, um, I've been around medicine basically my whole life. I started volunteering at a hospital when I was 15, and I just, ever since then, I've always loved it. And really, for me, I, I came to medical school after college. It was, there was no other option for me. Uh, my name is Dave Reed. I'm from Fort Worth, Texas. Um, also a second year. We're all second years at KCUMB, actually, uh, in the room today. And uh, and we have actually a couple extras that we didn't have when we uh, when we uh, did the promo uh, for you earlier. So they're coming up after me. But uh, I'm from Fort Worth, Texas. Like I said, I'm kind of like Kendall. You know, I, I'm a second career guy. Uh, I have a, ra- a radio, TV, film uh, degree actually from the University of Texas, and tried my hand in uh, television. Uh, advertising after college for a few years, and and so this just isn't doing it for me. And uh, took a six or eight months to contemplate what I wanted to do, and um, medicine kept uh, kept creeping up to the top of the list. And so there was there's really no other option for me either. Uh, once I decided I'm going to go back to school and do something else, so no regrets ever since. And it's it's been a great it's been a great trip so far. Hi, I'm Holly Briggs, and again a second year medical student at KCUMB. Um, it's a really hard question for me to answer at the moment. We're coming up on boards. I'm feeling a little downtrodden. Um, <laughs> but if I can dig back to remember why I did this in the first place, um, really it's just to help people is trite and cliche as that may sound. I think that that's ultimately what got me into it. done a lot of work with youth, uh, female youth, athletes, and um, troubled youth, actually. And somehow that path has directed me to where I am now. And that's where I find myself. And my name is Michelle. I'm originally from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, my path is a little bit more generalized. I always knew I wanted to be a doctor. Um, and I went through undergrad, and that was all good and dandy. And I wasn't quite ready to start med school until I felt like I had a better appreciation um, of all the factors and determinants of health and all that. So before med school, I did a master's in public health. Um, I got a really solid background in preventative medicine and learned a lot about just life in general and everything that contributes to um, what we see when we have patients come into our office. So after I did that, I was finally, I was thinking about doing a job or some more research, getting my PhD in public health, but then I decided med school was um, the way to go at that point. So that's how I got there. And that is the uh, 2013 YST crew. There you go. That's great. That's great. A a lot of uh, uh, great uh, 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 backgrounds, a lot of different uh, places keep people are coming from. Uh, uh, I get a lot of questions from my, my audience who are not even in medicine. Uh, they're curious about medicine. They read a lot about medicine. Um, my next question is, and this will be kind of a toss-up for anybody, um, to kind of um, describe your um, your uh, just the, the year that you just completed, your second year. Um, is it a lot of kind of like um, – uh, classroom work? Is there some clinical work? Uh, um, and then I'll ask you about boards, but, but anybody can, can take that one because I know my audience are curious about, you know, how what it's like being a medical student these days. Okay, so this is Ryan. I guess I'll take this question. Um, medical school is obviously four years long, and uh, the first two years are primarily spent in the classroom. So we spend our mornings usually 8 a.m. to 12 a.m. in the classroom. We usually have four lectures in a row, and, and that varies from all subjects. Um, and we at KCMB do a, um, a genesis curriculum so that it's more systems-based. So, for example, we just got a reproductive section, so all of our lectures for the past seven weeks were devoted to reproduction and development. So it's not like we have physiology on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. We have, you know, physiology in the morning and then 
you might have a pathology lecture and then a biochemistry lecture, and it just changes daily. So, but now that we're going to take board exams, after those are completed, we go into our third and fourth year, which are primarily clinical-based. So we'll be in the hospital seeing real patients with real problems. So I speak, I think, for the whole group here when I say we're very excited to get out of the classroom phase and into the clinical phase of medicine. It's been, a, it's been an ugly two years, honestly. You know, it, it's no secret uh, that medical school is tough. Uh, it, 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 I don't want to sound, uh, I don't want to sound um, you know, arrogant or anything, but it's like you, don't, you can't imagine how, how hard it is until you get there. And I know, Dr. S., you've, you've experienced that as well because, I mean, they, they really are testing you uh, during those first two years, whether you can keep up and, and, uh, and get everything done. But it's been a real challenge for two years, but we are certainly glad that we don't have to go to the classroom every day anymore. Uh, with, you know, I know we're going to talk about it here in a second, but we've got, we've got about a month left of intense studying for these uh, step exams or step one exams, and, um, and, uh, and then we'll be regular working folk, we hope, going to, the, going to, a, going to a job again, you know? <laughs> Um, and, and for uh, for people who are outside medicine, how, how would you describe what, what a board exam is, uh, and, and why is it so stressful? Since I'm complaining about it, I guess I'll take that one. Um, <laughs> so the board exam, it's our nation, national licensure exam, and it's three steps. We take our first step after our second year of medical school, which covers essentially everything that we've learned in the past two years. Um, they want to know that we can identify certain diseases based on specific clues, essentially, while understanding all the physiology and biochemistry and immunology and, and on and on and on behind those disease processes. Um, and then we take our second step after our third year, and then we take our third one after our fourth year, fourth year yeah, essentially. There's yeah, a little flexibility more, there. This is just more and more clinical-based yeah. as we go along. Yeah. So essentially, this is this is the worst of the three. I feel like, for one, we've never taken it before, so there's always that element of surprise, if you will. Um, but essentially, that's what we're talking about when we talk about boards. So, are uh, uh, in your curriculum? Are, do you see patients at all in your first two years? And if you don't, um, what are you looking forward to um, as far as starting your clinical work and actually uh, uh, seeing kind of real patients and working with them? I think uh, KCMB, I don't, I don't know if they're unique in the sense that we actually do get quite a bit of exposure to patients um, uh, as far as uh, actors and also uh, simulated robots um, where we go in and uh, we diagnose and we have to talk to and assess um, uh, the robot and also uh, come up with a treatment plan. And then when we do our, uh, uh, the patient pres presentation with actors, we get a chance to actually interact um, with patients who have a specific complaint, say, for example, a knee problem, and we go in there and we have to diagnose and assess it and then even do uh, maybe a little bit of treatment that we've learned in our, uh, in our osteopathic manipulation uh, uh, skills that we have acquired. Um, go ahead. I just wanted to chime in a little bit on these robots that Kendall speaks of. Um, <laughs> Nice. You know, they, they yes, yes, they're robots, but um, they're a lot more than that. You know, they're simulated patients. They breathe. They talk to us. They have vital signs. They deliver babies. Um, they bleed. You know, we give them injections and all sorts of things. So it is a lot more realistic than, um, you know, somebody that didn't know what we were talking about might think. <laughs> yeah, it's not R2-D2. Uh, it's, it's, it's a pretty lifelike uh, piece of equipment, a very expensive lifelike piece of equipment, too. Uh, they, they, they're very uh, careful and uh, 
uh, you're on high guard all the time on how we treat them. But um, but it's a pretty cool experience. We like Kendall said, we do get a lot of um, you know, clinical um, uh, exposure, I guess you could say. And I think the the goal of that, you know, we're never graded uh, on if we diagnose something correctly. It's more about let's get you in front of people. Let's get you in front of you know a scenario. So that when you do actually get out into the clinic and you are responsible for, uh, you know, making a decision, you're not worrying about the interaction at that point. You're just thinking about the medicine and about the treatment. And one other uh, thing that both – oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, one other thing they didn't mention um, that we do get exposure to is our school has a program called Score One, um, and we go into elementary schools throughout the year, throughout our first year and our second year. Our second year, we're doing primarily physicals for kids who are in uh, somewhere between kindergarten and sixth grade, and we have to do a complete head-to-toe physical, and that, that's great experience, and we get to do that about 12 times throughout our second year, and that gives you real one-to-one kind of experience, especially with kids, which is fun and challenging. Uh, and, and I know that I get a lot of questions uh, about this um, as far as uh, DO versus MD, osteopathic versus allopathic. Um, for, for people who are outside of medicine, how, how would you describe kind of uh, some of the osteopathic training uh, that you're getting, what the point of it is? Not that necessarily one is better than the other, but um, I know that I get a lot of questions from my audiences. Yeah, what, you know, what's the, what are some of the philosophical differences uh you know, what is the training? What is osteopathic training? What kind of stuff do you guys get to do? Well, thank you for asking that question because all of us have been asked that by all family members and friends and everything when we mention that there even is a difference between a DO and an MD. People are like, really? You know, I've always just seen my doctor. Um, and a lot of times you don't actually, I think, realize that you're seeing an MD or a DO, especially if it's your primary care doc and you've been seeing them forever. Um, the major difference, I would say, is kind of the way that we learn medicine. Um, Ryan mentioned that we do kind of a, a genesis curriculum or we try to learn the, the medicine within the organ system. Um, and so, you know, kind of the philosophy behind osteopathic medicine is that we learn it in a more holistic way. Um, and so while we were having these physiology and biochemistry lectures, we were also having spirituality lectures on um, how that sort of thing plays into the disease processes. And then we also learn um, a separate kind of treatment called osteopathic manipulative treatment, which is kind of unique to DOs. Um, it's kind of a hands-on approach to diagnosis and treatment. You can kind of compare it to like a mix between chiropractic and physical therapy, although osteopathic people won't want you to say that. They want you to say that it's, you know, a totally separate thing. Um, but so we're able to treat with our hands in kind of a, a unique way that doesn't involve medicine. And so that's kind of unique in that respect. Um, but in terms of an MD versus a DO, in the general world, we can do the same um, residency programs. We can treat the same patients and prescribe the same medicines and do all the same sort of thing in that respect. Uh, my guests on the line are the hosts of the Your Health Talk podcast, um, and you can check them out at yourhealthtalk.org. Um, so let's kind of switch gears here a little bit. I do want to talk about the podcast, but before that, um, I do want to talk a little bit about social media. Uh, and um, I'd like to kind of get everybody's kind of take or feel as far as um, before starting the podcast, um, 
what were people's kind of experience using social media? I mean, probably everybody was on Facebook, but um, do you guys use other things in your kind of your personal life as far as Twitter or Pinterest or just to give my audience a sense of, of uh, where you're starting from before we're talking about the podcast? Well, um, I think, you know, for me, this is Dave, uh, for me personally, uh, it, social media wasn't that uh, strong, wasn't that big of a deal for me. Um, I did. I grew up, uh, I'm a little older than your average medical student, I'm 31 years old as a second year, so I, I went to college, uh, and, and during college there was no Facebook, you know, it started at the end of my college years, uh, so I never really got into it. And certainly Twitter wasn't around when I was, uh, you know, starting to use the computer on a daily basis. Uh, so th- I was, I was a, late, uh, a late bloomer as far as social media goes. And, and really, you know, starting your health talk uh, helped me into that, uh, into that realm. And, and, and I wish I'd started it earlier because the, <laughs> it's, it's, it's almost like a um, – I think actually Michelle here said this one time, and it, and it really rang true with me – Twitter is like uh, it's like your own personal news channel. You know, whatever you want to find out about every morning when you wake up, you're getting ready, uh, see what happened overnight. Uh, you know, you just pull up your Twitter account, and anybody who's who you have uh, who you feel is important uh, and what they have to say, or any you know news outlet, everybody. I mean, every you know publication has their own Twitter account now, but they're all telling you the main headlines every morning, and, and it's it's kind of your own personal way to to find out what you want to know uh, very quickly. So um, I, I think it has. I think social media in general has a has a big place in medicine. I admire guys like uh, guys like you who have really you know been pioneers in that. Um, but, uh, but you know we're still obviously figuring out how it's gonna how it's gonna be long term in uh, health and medicine. And uh, and I hope I hope we get to play a part in that too. But I'll give it to somebody else. I can pretty much this, this is Kendall. I can pretty much uh, ditto everything that Dave just said. I'm a little bit older and. Um, I was on MySpace when it first came out, and I remember when Facebook started. I was like, "Nah, I'm not doing that. I don't. I don't need another. <laughs> I don't need another bite here." Um, but then MySpace started to dwindle, and I said, "All right, I guess I'll jump on the train here." And uh, so I was on Facebook, um, and uh, then Twitter came out, and I kind of did the same thing with Twitter. I was like, ah, "I'm not going to do that." And and here we go. And now we're on Twitter, and um, it, it's just kind of the same thing. This, 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 the Your Health Talk thing really. Um, boosted my understanding of the importance of social media and the place that it has not only in medicine but also in society and in connecting people of the same interests um, along the same lines. And so I, I see it as a huge, uh, uh, huge aspect of, uh, of our society, not only now but in the future as well. Uh, yeah, this is Ryan. I just like to comment on the progression of what Facebook and Twitter has, has become, I guess. When I was a freshman, I remember standing in my dorm First day I moved in, and someone said, "Are you on Facebook?" And I, I didn't know what Facebook was. I was like, "What is what is a Facebook?" And uh, at that time, it was only open to uh, people with a .edu email address. And um, I think by the time I graduated, I think they had opened it up to basically anybody with any email address. And uh, I can see now the the importance of Facebook and Twitter and social media in general, and how it's going to have a significant influence on people's lives from here on out. I think. Uh, okay. Um, so th- does the school, um, 
did they give you any kind of uh, social media policy or any courses or any sessions like during orientation or during your first or second year specifically talking about social media? Because most schools um, say it's bad and students shouldn't do it. And a lot of them have policies saying that you should not join that stuff or not use it for, for school purposes. Have you, did you guys get any exposure to any of that right. type of stuff? Right. Well, actually, uh, you you, uh, you give us a great opportunity to go ahead and just let everyone know who's listening. You know, K, uh, KCUMB is where we go to school. Um, we are actually not affiliated with KCUMB per se. We go to school there, and that's where we learn medicine. But just so everybody knows, you know, your health talk is completely separate. However, to, I mean, to more directly answer your question, um, no, we don't we don't get any lectures on how to use you know technology or you know any kind of public forum uh, appropriately but but i understand what you're saying we, and there have been uh, there have been moments where we've been told to be careful about how we uh interact on uh, social media outlets and um and i think and i think that's uh i think that's unfortunate really i think i think medical schools should uh should step up and uh, and find a way to embrace it in a positive way because if we you know if we understand uh it's its reach and its significance. I think we can. Um, I think we can really uh, learn how to behave, you might say, and uh, and really use it to our advantage. Uh, so I, I do wish that we had some uh, some exposure to that in the classroom during those first couple of years. Um, but uh, but no, we, we don't we don't get any we don't get any um, any positive talk from you know the curriculum. We just we just get you know warnings from uh, from administration and stuff to say. Hey, you know, watch out! Don't don't make yourself a victim. <laughs> you know, don't don't put yourself out there saying something negative because people read it, and it's true. You know, the reach is the reach is incredible for some of these things. It's, it's so much broader than you than you might imagine, and uh, and you can get in. I know you can get into trouble uh, if you say some you know controversial stuff. But you don't know who's looking at it, and uh, you do have to be careful. But I, I think if we really uh, took some time to understand it, we would we would be able to use it a lot better. Uh, yeah, that's, that's interesting. Um, so, so I'm going to throw this question out, and you guys have probably talked about it or, or already uh, considered it. Um, so you, you're in the hospital all day or you're in a clinic all day, and then you come home uh, for dinner, uh, and then you check your Facebook, uh, and then you see a friend request from a patient. Um, how would you deal with that? How are you going to deal with that? Because that, that is something that is going to happen. Have you guys considered that at all? Well, you're gonna have to give us a second to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> because I'll tell, I'll, 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 I'll give you guys some time to think about it. Because that that is a question that comes up uh, with physicians um, or nurses or nursing students or any kind of medical professionals. Uh, because you know where do you draw that line um, as far as you know interacting with patients? Where's your personal life? Where's your professional life? Um, and it, it's unfortunate that. Uh, uh, that medical schools or or educational institutions, you know, aren't talking about this because it is something that is going to be happening in real life, uh, and uh, that that's something that that, uh, that that medical trainees or those in school need to to consider. So um, I don't know if all of you have have considered any of that possibilities yet. Can you give us uh, multiple choice? <laughs> We're used to uh, Scantron type tests, A, B, C, or D. <laughs> A, B, C, or D. Uh, uh, okay. So, so, so going I, on uh, that, 
going on that multiple choice uh, comment, I think the only way that I can, re- this is Michelle, by the way, the only way that I can answer this question is based on a board practice exam, um, which asked me the other day about relationships with patients. Um, and I think in a general sense, you know, I don't, I don't know what the actual answer to your question would be. Um, I don't foresee myself having an issue with being friends on a social media network with a patient. However, it would have to be a very mutual, you know, there's no relationship involved. There's nothing, you know, that the the patient would think otherwise in regards to that friendship. So that's how I would answer that question. We, we were actually going to ask you the same question, so you, you beat us to it. But, um, you well, know, no, I, can, I, I can answer it later, so sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely, and we'll save it for you. <laughs> Um, you know what it comes to mind really is if you're gonna, if you're going to have a presence as um, as a physician on uh, on social media on Facebook or on Twitter, you almost have to treat that like like a business profile, you know. And, and your friend can or you, your patients can friend you, um, and, and it might be you know the smartest thing if you're if you kind of treat that social media profile as, as a uh, as a professional profile, not not really a personal one. Maybe you could make a personal one under a pseudonym or something like that. I don't know, maybe Doc Anonymous or something. I think that's been <laughs> I think that's been used before. But nice. Uh, nice. Uh, nice. but uh, but um, you know, I think I I think you almost have to treat it like that in a lot of instances, especially if you have a very public face uh, and uh, and people are going to be uh, knowing they're going to know you on social media just as well as they know you in the office. So. All right. Um, so um, my guests on the line are the hosts. Uh, already a good show. I can't believe it's already 30 minutes. The host of the uh, Your Health Talk podcast. Go check them out. Uh, they're on iTunes as well. Um, and you can find them at uh, yourhealthtalk.org. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so let's talk about the podcast. And I'll, and I'll throw this to, to Dave after I uh, ask this question. So so kind of tell me about, you know, the, uh, the idea for this thing, uh, the creation of it, how, how the team was assembled, the, kind of the little behind the scenes of the, uh, the creation of the, uh, of the Your Health Talk uh, podcast, Dave. Well, um, this is Dave. It, 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 was my, it was my baby from the beginning, uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll field this one definitely, uh, and then the others can elaborate on it. You know, I like I said before I I have a radio TV film degree and a you know a communications background um that's always been something I I really enjoy uh have always had a lot of interest in mass communication and um and reaching uh you know a large audience uh which is you know why I was down on myself for taking so long to get involved with social media but um we, you know, we came to medical school, like we talked about earlier, uh, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, you know, all the cliches you can think of. Uh, we, uh, we thought it was going to, you know, we thought it was going to be all-inclusive and, you know, catered to everything we hoped it was going to be. And, of course, it's not, uh, just like anything else. But uh, we, uh, there, I, I kept feeling, so at some point, you know, two-thirds of the way through the first year, I kept feeling like, you know, we're missing a lot of stuff here. There's a lot of stuff that... Uh, that we're not covering or that we, uh, we haven't, um, we haven't covered enough. Uh, you know, maybe something like the social media issue in medicine that you talked about earlier. Um, we, uh, we felt like, or at least I did at that point, cause it was all internal thought at that point. But, uh, we, we, I felt like, you know, we, we need a, we need a forum. We need a platform to say, Hey, we're medical students. We don't know everything. And we might be a little embarrassed that we don't know everything, uh, but we need to find other medical students who don't know everything too. 
And, um, uh, you know, we, we just thought, I'm sorry, sorry, I'm getting off topic. We, uh, I approached these guys here in the room and, and they, uh, and they, they, they had some similar thoughts and, and we all thought, well, let's, how can we do this? We started brainstorming and said, what would be the best medium that we can do this? And, and, uh, and the idea of the podcast came up and, you know, ha- having a, having a platform on the web, on the, on the internet to, uh, to serve as a, as a way to uh, discuss topics that we were interested in that we weren't getting in class. And that was really the big motivating factor behind it. Um, I know that, I know that some other people have done some things in their past that have also given them an outlet to exercise some hobbies and, and, uh, and passions as well. I'll turn it over to, to Kendall. Well, that's a uh, good segue. Um, that actually, uh, when, when Dave approached me about it, I remember we were down in an anatomy lab dissecting some brains. And uh, <laughs> he came up that is and, the best story ever. That, you know, that is uh, that is not, yeah, uh, let's have a podcast. <laughs> that is not a lie. That is actually how it happened. We were in an anatomy lab cutting open a brain, and I said, "Hey, let's do it. Let's do this thing." I have to say, they were being incredibly secretive about it as well, because I happened to be standing nearby, and they're like, "What are you guys talking about? Oh, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. No, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it." <laughs> Wow, so you guys are thinking, oh, they're cheating or something like that. Oh, no, we're talking about podcasts. <laughs> no, we're talking about radio shows. We're not talking about <laughs> But uh, anyway, so, you know, Dave asked me about it, and he knew about my background in web design and graphic design. And, and originally he, he kind of approached it as, hey, you want to be a, be a host on this show? And I was like, no, but I'll do the, I'll do the graphics and I'll do the web for you. I don't, I don't want to be on the radio. And, and uh, kind of lo and behold, a few months later, I'm doing a show, then I'm doing another show, and then we're doing interviews. and. And now I'm kind of part of it, and uh, it's just interesting how that happens. How you, you just start to get excited about something, and it just kind of takes over, and you want to be more and more involved in it, and involve more people, and it just uh, starts growing with enthusiasm and excitement. Uh, well, this is Ryan here. Um, Dave didn't come up to me in an anatomy lab. Actually, he uh, he took me to a baseball game. Uh, and he has a he has a way for all of us. He knew I was a big baseball fan, so he asked me if I wanted to go see a Kansas City Royals game, and I could never turn that down. So I went and. It wasn't really about oh, the baseball game, about the, the second that's inning. That's how he, he buttered you up. Yeah, let's go to a baseball game. That's yeah, awesome. so for Kendall, it's the anatomy lab. For me, it's the uh, Coffin Stadium. Well, you know, I'm it's, not too, it's, 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 a, it's not too big of a stretch. It's the Kansas City Royals, and last year they were really bad. So tickets were like 10 bucks. So it wasn't a big deal. <laughs> that's good. So there's so a strategy like <laughs> That's right. They're definitely the strategy with Dave, always. Um, but unlike Kendall, I have no... Um, you know, background with web design or, or communications at all. I was a biology major at Indiana University, and I basically, like I said, I came straight out and went right into medical school. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm good friends with Dave and all these guys here, and uh, he just asked me, he was like, it's a cool idea. Would you be interested in joining? And I was like, absolutely. And I didn't really know it was going to take us, but I couldn't be happier with the result, though. And I tell you, you, you probably already recognize that Ryan has a hell of a radio voice. I mean, that, that thing is it's silky smooth. <laughs> So are, are you saying he has a face for radio? Is that what you're saying? I said nothing of the sort. That, that's, what, that's what I said the first time you told me that. I was like, well, if it's a face for radio, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, great, great. Um, and then, oh. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I'm, not, I'm not even sure how they decided I was going to be a part of this. I didn't get taken out to a baseball game or <laughs> you feel ripped off, to a brain. <laughs> But uh, I'm I'm really glad to be a part of it, and I have absolutely no experience in any realm of this whatsoever. And and you were talking about social media earlier. I'm behind the times, and probably embarrassingly so. Um, but this has definitely brought 
me forward and exposed me to some things that I would have never even conceived of being a part of. So we definitely all have very different backgrounds coming into this, and it's been it's been quite an experience and a fun one to get thrown in front of a microphone. And right now we're being um, recorded by video too, so that's that's a bit another big step for us here. <laughs> oh, great, great! Wow, yeah. Just just let my audience know. You know, obviously I'm here by myself at Phantom Medicine Rocks World headquarters, uh, but all of them are in their studio, um, and there's going to be a lot of interesting post production type of stuff that I'm working with them on. Uh, so that's going to be interesting. Um, so let, let me ask David, as far as so, what was your vision for the podcast? What kind of you know, you know, what what kind of information did you want to share with everybody in the podcast? And then for everybody else, um, if you want to chime in, you know, wh- where do you kind of see this going? And what, what, are there certain people that you want to talk to, or there are are there certain topics that you think that medical student audience or other audiences want to talk about? I'll, I'll start with, with Dave first as far as your vision for what you wanted to do with this podcast. Sure. Well, the the you know, the podcast is really just the backbone of the organization. We want the whole, uh, you know, we want the whole idea of your health talk to be, you know, an all-inclusive sort of thing. We eventually want to get into video. We are actually videotaping today's episode. Uh, we'll uh, be putting something awesome. up about it. Um, but we want to, you know, we have some written content. We have a blog that's uh, admittedly poorly updated right now. But um, we, you know, we, uh, we, we have this vision of all parts of your health talk um, serving, like I said, as a platform for medical students to talk about, uh, you know, subjects that they're interested in that they don't necessarily get enough of in, in the classroom. And we want it to be medical students all across the country. Uh, you know, we want it to, it's, it's online, it's digital, so it's easy to do um, from city to city. And, and, and we want to do everything uh, in, a, in an effort, or I should say, in a, in a fashion that, that makes it easier for anybody to understand. Kind of like you do your show. You know, you, you, you're speaking to much more than just a, uh, a medical audience. You're speaking to the general public as well because it has value for them. Uh, and uh, it's not just a uh, doctor talking to doctor sort of thing. It, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of value uh, we feel in our perspective as medical students. Um, it's kind of halfway in between a layperson and a professional that we can uh, we can ask questions in a way that maybe um, you know a seasoned physician is uh, is too far removed from uh, you know not knowing anything about med- medical uh, lingo or medical you know uh, you know detailed medical knowledge. Uh, to remember how it feels to um, to ask those you know kind of specific uh, or not specific I mean general more general questions that uh, that a layperson may not understand so like I said as, as a medical student we feel like we have an interesting uh, perspective that's kind of a halfway point between those two uh, those two groups so we want to exercise that as well as uh, you know talking about the things that are interesting to us. When, and kind of going along with that and uh, the little, a little more technical uh, aspects, we're working on expanding the website to include a couple other things that we're going to release uh, sometime this year. Um, one of them, uh, you know, as we've been traveling around the country, going to D.C., going down to uh, southern Missouri to talk about your health talk, um, we've caught a lot of interest from other students, other residents, and other physicians. And so what we want to start doing is doing a, a kind of a student highlight where um, as we reach out with things like social media and Twitter and Facebook and find outstanding students that we can highlight every month um, that talks about, you know, what, what they're doing uh, and what, what sets them apart um, and, and just showing other people that while you're in medical school, you can also do great things. 
Um, and so we want to start doing that uh, coming in the next few months, after mainly after board. Uh, and then the other thing is starting something called Your Health Talk Literacy, which I'll, I'll post the link to. Um, and that's where people can go on and ask questions. They can be questions from, hey, you know, how do I get into medical school? What's the process? To, you know, I, I have this, this bump on my foot. Do you think it's gout or what, what could it be? And, and that's where we get on and, and we, we talk about some issues. We don't ever give direct advice, but we, we talk about, um, you know, some common things and where you can go and get resources uh, for these types of things. Yeah, to jump on that um, about uh, YHL, as we're going to call it, um, your health literacy, that's one thing that I've found as a pretty cool outlet that we're heading forward towards. Um, it kind of came together as a conjoined idea from two different sides. Um, from my side personally, just being able to get some more information out to the public, but also addressing some of the issues that me, I'm personally passionate about. And that's another thing that's been kind of fun with having so many different um uh, backgrounds and personalities that we have, we are all so passionate about so many different things, um, and they're all coming together on this single forum. Um, so do, do each of the people on the team, do they have certain roles? Uh, do, 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 does, does somebody book the guests or somebody interview the guests or does all the technical things, or, or do you guys split up, you know, the responsibilities, or do you guys people use people's strengths, or how do you kind of split that up? Well, you know, there's no question that Kendall is the uh, technical director here. He runs our website. He has the background to, you know, the graphic design, the web design background to uh, to do that. Uh, none, none of the rest of us do. Um, I have uh, this is Dave. I have the, um, uh, you know, the, the you could say the production background to, you know, to run the sound and audio. Um, Michelle and uh, Michelle and Holly have the uh, pretty faces to convince people to be on the show. That's for sure. As <laughs> she gives me the stare nice. of death from across the face. That's what got the nice. table. <laughs> wow. I, I hope somebody got no, a no, picture of that. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, right. They're definitely the more personable ones on the, the staff and, and, and act sometimes as our, uh, you know, our, our public face uh, that, that people can relate to better. Uh, no, but Ryan and, and I, and, uh, you know, we, we were, we've thought a lot about the, uh, you know the the goals of the show as well, but everybody honestly, everybody's really involved with every portion of it at this point. Um, we we've tried to adopt certain roles, but you know every every we're all type A's. We all get really involved in certain things, and we want to take everything over uh, and, and make everything our own. So it, it's really a collaborative effort on all fronts, except for the uh, website, which is all Kindle. <laughs> um. All right, so uh, I'm going to ask you uh, uh, one health policy question, then uh, then I'm going to turn things over to you guys. Um, but uh, I do want to ask you a, a content question about your podcast. I want to ask you about um, um, the Obamacare, Affordable Care Act. Um, I know you've done some interviews with people on that. Um, just from a sense, from a medical student sense, from your peers, the people that you talk to um, in your class, do they have a sense of what the Affordable Care Act is do they have any inkling about it? Are they just too uh, uh, focused on the curriculum? If they if they do have an opinion about it, what kind of sense do you have from your peers about um, health care reform, the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, whatever you want to call it? Well, that's a good question. Um, you know, I, I think generally uh, medical students aren't too much different than your uh, normal, um, uh, you know, higher education population, your normal college 
population uh, where generally things are um, people are, are more liberal minded. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of do things for the social good attitudes in uh, in medical school, and uh, and I know that you that you see that fade over time as people go through and you know have jobs and lead more normal lives and and uh, and start to feel differently about their personal politics and how they want the government to handle certain certain issues. So I know that generally, if you ask uh, on a broad scale, do medical students support uh, you know the current administration's efforts for the Affordable Care Act and, uh, and their, their plans for health care. I think you'll find more that do support that than don't. And if you get in specifically um, and ask, well, do you understand the, the different um, proponents of the, uh, of the Affordable Care Act, of Obamacare, then they say no. No, we really don't. Uh, because, you know, we, a lot of it boils down to a time issue and a, and a language barrier issue, actually a very similar language barrier to what we're trying to uh, uh, mitigate or attack, you could say, with, uh, with your health talk. You know, we don't understand legal terminology, and, and some of that in the Affordable Care Act is unbelievably complex. You know, I'm sure it's, it's 2,000 pages long, and it's so involved and has such a long rollout, you know, a timeline that, you know, it spans over two years or three years. We're not even, you know, we're halfway through it right now. Um, but uh, the people, uh, or our colleagues, our medical student colleagues, they they don't they don't really have a good grasp on it uh, on all the different uh, parts of it. But they but they do understand that something's happening, and and something I know that the people in this room feel is we certainly wish that people were more interested in being involved because I think as as uh, you know physicians and future future physicians. Uh, we can play a really important role in uh, in shaping you know public health policy uh, for the better, and um, and it's important for us to get involved. And, and most medical, the vast majority of medical students are not involved in any in any sense. They are maybe partially aware of what's going on, but not nearly as involved as they could or or should be. All right, all right. Um... So yeah, so I won't take my break here, but but before that, so um, I know you guys pre-record everything that you guys enjoying the the purely live uh, format. This is kind of exciting. Love it, absolutely, it's great. <laughs> um, We're all a little on edge. That's right, that's right. Uh, before I take my break, I want to be, uh, give a big shout out to our uh, our pal Tim uh, in, in the chat room. Uh, he's also a graphic designer, and he's the social media guy from the. Uh, Pennsylvania Academy of Family Physicians, a good friend of mine, so thank you for joining us. And there's also a guest in there as well, so thank you for joining us as well. Uh, so I'm going to take a little 60-second uh, musical break here, and I will uh, uh, turn the show over to them, uh, and uh, it's going to be a fun time for them uh, drilling me, peppering me uh, with questions. <laughs> We're on in 60 seconds, guys. We're on in 60 seconds. <laughs> that's right. That's right. You're listening to the Family Medicine Rocks podcast live here on the Block Talk Radio Network on a Thursday morning. Uh, FamilyMedicineRocks.com. Don't go anywhere. It's just about to get exciting. We'll be right back.
And welcome back to the Family Medicine Rocks podcast. My name is Mike Savilla, FamilyMedicineRocks.com. And uh, we're on the uh, line here with uh, the hosts of the Your Health Talk podcast, YourHealthTalk.org. So I will uh, I will throw this to David, and uh, you can just uh, fire away, and uh, let's, let's see what happens here. Well, thank you. And I, and I do want to reiterate one more time, we really appreciate you know, you taking the time and and, and and speaking with us today. This is a, this is this really is a cool experience for us. Because, like you said, all of our shows are pre-recorded and heavily edited, uh, but um, by me personally. And, uh, and and so this is exciting to to get on here and and really speak off the cuff about certain issues. And and uh, and this is really cool. We also we also admire what you're doing. Uh, I mean, you have an incredible following, and and uh, and we're going to get into some of that with some of our questions later. But let's set it up kind of like you did. Um, tell us about getting into uh, into family medicine and, and and definitely why why it rocks. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a great question. So I, I uh, so my dad is a surgeon, uh, actually just retired last year after thirty four years. And um, well, so when I started uh, medical school, I wanted to be a surgeon. I wanted to be like him. Uh, and uh, so I went through all of my rotations, and then um, I went through my surgery rotation, and I'm like, oh, no, I can't do this. Uh, I don't, I don't think so. Uh, it was uh, getting up early in the morning, doing pre rounds and then rounds and this and that, and then uh, you know, nothing against surgeons. We need surgeons. Uh, the 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 surgeon personality didn't really uh, mesh with mine uh, that much, so I'm like, uh, not really uh, for me. So so I went through all my rotations. I'm like, I kind of like. like a little bit of everything, and uh, so that's kind of how I found family medicine, or how family medicine found me. Good. So, what's um, what is this family medicine rocks all about? What's the revolution? Uh, yeah, that's uh, man, you guys do research. That's awesome. Uh, so I, I, I started uh, social media back in the dark ages, 2005. I don't know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> And uh, I uh, I was laid up for a week. Um, I had uh, actually had my tonsils out as an adult, which is I wouldn't recommend that. Uh, but I was laid up for a week. I was driving my wife nuts, uh, and I was curious about these blogs that they had out. And it was right around it was uh, the, the election of 2004. And I'm like, oh well, what are these blogs about? And um, uh, so are there doctors blogging? Uh, so I, I, I actually found some, and I started reading them, and, and it was really compelling storytelling. And back at that time, uh, the, the culture, in the, at least in the physician community, uh, was to be an anonymous writer. So there were there were uh, you know blogs named like Grunt Doc and Panda Bear and Doctor Flea and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so I'm like, well, do I have a story to tell? What kind of story would I tell? And I'm not really sure. So it took me six months to kind of uh, figure it out. And then and then I went to Blogger one day. And I'm like, I'm going to do this, so let me find kind of like a buzzworthy name. Uh, so uh, Dr. Anonymous was not taken. Uh, so I'm like, oh, cool, I'll be Dr. Anonymous. It'll be awesome. Uh, so uh, uh, so what I did at that time, which I don't recommend now, but that's what everybody was doing back then, is I was, I was talking about patients. My goal of my blog at that time was that I wanted to bring the reader into the examiner with me. I wanted to show them what it was like to practice medicine in this broken healthcare system. I wanted to show them how the frustrations of dealing with insurance companies and attorneys and non-compliant patients and all that kind of stuff. And, and uh, uh, it was kind of cathartic for me. 
Um, and, and I started, you know, actually started get a, getting a following. Um, and I was getting uh, emails and blog comments uh, from people all around the world saying, oh, wow, you know, and I can really relate to this. And this is what I think. And this is what I should do in this situation. Uh, so I started getting started rolling at that point. And then probably about a year or a year and a half after I started blogging, uh, there was this huge case of this anonymous uh, physician. Uh, who was blogging during his malpractice trial. Yeah, if, you, if you can believe that, it's very interesting really? reading. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, so in this Hollywood moment, he was outed on the witness stand, and uh, they settled the malpractice case the next day. So at that point, it was a big rift at that point. There's a lot of anonymous physician bloggers that stopped uh, uh-huh. because they were afraid of legal, all that kind of stuff. And I thought about quitting as well. Uh, but it was my audience that kept me going and saying, you know, I mean, you, you'll find a way to keep writing. We like what you say. You may not want to write about patients, do a lot of other kind of stuff. So I kept going. And it's probably been about two years now. I've kind of rebranded myself uh, and, and as me, Dr. Mike Sabilla. Uh, and uh, I, I chose the unbiased name of Family Medicine Rocks. Uh, and uh, um, uh, so I do a, a, a blog and a podcast and YouTube videos and Twitter and Facebook and all that kind of stuff, and uh, that's that's kind of how we got to where I am today. So it kind of sounds like uh, you know you you got into this in uh, 2004, and I remember I remember that time was kind of that strange transition time between you know like I was saying earlier like MySpace, Facebook, people weren't really sure where they fit within the realm of social media. Uh, the question I have for you is is how how have you seen um, social media change the way that patients and physicians interact with each other? Uh, has it opened doors? Has it closed doors? Does it make physicians more wary? Um, does it make them more accessible? What, what can you talk about that? Um, I, I have uh, patients, and you guys will see this too, they bring me information from the Internet all the time. And uh, they said, well, what do you think about this? Um, I heard about this valerian root or something. You know, what what do you think about that? Or, you know, I, I saw these uh, side effects to Lipitor. What do you think about that? Or I saw this on Dr. Oz or the doctors. What do you think about that? Uh, so so patients are more savvy uh, about it now more than physicians. And as an industry, uh, physicians and medicine lag behind everyone else, especially the tech community. Uh, so that's kind of part of my story and why I'm doing what I'm doing to to um, raise physicians' awareness that patients are using the Internet to get information. Uh, they are asking their doctors about it. Um, it's not so paternalistic anymore and saying, I'm the doctor, you should do this. It's more a collaborative thing with, with patients now. Uh, and even patients have been known, highly motivated patients have known to go to, uh, you know, uh, the literature and research and saying, you know, what do you think about this cancer treatment? Uh, it has good numbers here that is applied to my case. So, so patients are, are becoming more and more savvy at this point, and, and I'm, I'm hoping to, to educate my physician colleagues that patients are doing this and they should not be behind the times. So on the whole, do you think that um, – do you think – well, I guess not – just let me know. On the whole, do you – See this information that your patients are bringing in. Is it is it good information for the most part, or do you see a lot of negative information, poor information? I guess it's mixed. I mean, you know, some of them have good information from like CDC um, or um, you know WebMD. I, I recommend to patients, but there's also other uh, 
you know, sites out there that are negative. So it, it, it's a good mix uh, of information. For the most part, it, it is positive stuff, but, uh, um, you know, a lot of people are motivated by fear, and they bring in that information too and say, hey, you know what, well, why am I on this heart medicine? Um, you should stop this because it's going to cause whatever. Or I saw this, you know, attorney uh, advertisement for this medicine. Why am I on this medicine? So so it, I'm hoping it's making physicians a little bit sharper as far as this is why you're on this medicine, uh, and um, you know, this is why you should not listen to certain uh, websites or people out there in the media. So well, what do you think is the future of social media and family medicine and care for your patients going forward from here? Um, I think uh, you know, a lot of the, uh, the legal type stuff has to be worked out. Um, I know a lot of my physician colleagues who text their patients, um, but is that completely legal? Um, can that be brought to a court of law? Yeah, it can be. Can people be sued for stuff that they put on um, a Facebook message or a text message or an email? Yeah, typically they can, but I know a lot of uh, early adopters in the physician community are trying to push that a little bit and say, hey, you can do good clinical care. Uh, doing text messaging, doing emails, doing Facebook messages. Uh, it's just the legal community has to catch up with that. Um, personally, you know, I don't do any clinical work on social media at all. I don't text message my patients or any of that type of stuff. I use social media more as a patient education type of platform. Uh, so that's kind of how I see social media moving forward. Have you have you brought in more patients um, off of your uh, off of your efforts, your podcasts, your your blog? Uh, yeah, actually, I have. And uh, when I talk to uh, those residents who are graduating, or when I talk to very resistant physicians uh, on using social media, I tell them, I'm like, you know, you know, how much do you pay for a newspaper ad? How much do you pay for a radio spot? How much do you pay for a TV spot? Did you know that you can use Facebook, which, you know, a billion people use? Did you know that you can, you know, put a Facebook page up for your clinic or your practice or your hospital and it's free? Did you know that? So that lights up a lot of people's eyes. And, yeah, I mean, when people, you know, uh, Google, you know, family practice or family medicine in Salem, Ohio, you know, I'm usually there. And I have a lot of patients saying, hey, we're here, Dr. Sevilla, because we've seen what you're uh, – uh, what you're doing out there, we like what you're doing. A lot of physicians don't even know uh, that they have a social media footprint or a social media presence out there already. And it's usually something like a physician rating site, um, and, and patients are using digital word of mouth to talk about them. And a lot of people don't even know that. So, so that's another thing I'm trying to alert physicians moving forward is their online reputation. Uh, and that's going to be very important, especially for all of you as you go through your medical training. So I think we talked about this earlier. Um, so what do you do when a patient friends you on Facebook, or, or have you ever been tempted to friend a patient on Facebook? Uh, yeah, that, I get that question a lot. And um, in the physician community, it's all over the board. Uh, some physicians are like, absolutely no, and some physicians are like, I have no problem with it. I'm kind of in the middle um, because I've told you know people that you know patients and physicians – um, have been friends forever, even before social media. Uh, and I live in a small town here in northeastern Ohio, so even if I go to the store or I go to church or whatever, I mean, I'm going to 
I'm going to see people there. Uh, so, but when it comes specifically to Facebook, I mean, uh, I guess I've kind of drawn a, a rule as far as if I've known the people for a long time, uh, then I am, I'm okay with that because they know kind of what the boundaries are. Um, but I don't friend every new patient that comes into my office. If, if we start to get a good relationship and and uh, we have a distrust relationship where I trust them and they trust me, and, and uh, when I go to the store, they're not asking about their medical problems. They kind of respect my privacy and things. Uh, then then I do friend them, and, and when I do friend them, I know they're not going to abuse that uh, relationship uh, because, you know, I'm in primary care. I'm in family medicine. I enjoy seeing what my patients and patients' families are doing as far as, you know, some of them are going to be graduating high school this year, and it's nice to see their pictures on Facebook and that type of thing. Um, so I hope that answers your question. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I do I do want to jump back to something you touched on very briefly, and hopefully you can elaborate on. Um, what, what do you think about these doctor rating sites online, like HealthGrades and Vitals.com, and, you know, patients going on and, and telling what uh, – Telling what they think about the doctor that they've seen or that they know of, uh, I feel like I feel like there's a, you know, people people that patients that do that or just like anybody who rates something online, you get a lot of the extremes. You know, you get a lot of people who had bad experiences uh, and a lot of people who had outstanding experiences that you don't, you know, people who have normal everyday sort of routine go on and report those normal experiences, which are actually positive ones. So, I mean, what do you think about those? It is um, uh, it is a, a necessary evil that <laughs> uh, <but>, uh, cannot <laughs> be uh, taken away. It is, you know, obviously, you know, people's First Amendment rights to say what they uh, express their feelings and things. And, and what I tell people is that, you know, it's going to be there. Um, uh, so how I have physicians deal with that is, um, that there's no way to take off the negative uh, uh, ratings. Um, I, I encourage physicians to have their patients go on there and give an honest review. Um, and when when patients do that, it will generally be positive. And if you think, you know, if you go to like Amazon or something and you see a product and you look through the ratings, uh, you kind of throw out the really good ratings and you kind of throw out the really bad ratings and you kind of see what's in the middle. Uh, and that's what I tell physicians is that, you know, I know it's going to be, you know, even if you have 10, you know, ratings and one of them is negative, obviously people are going to focus on the negative. That's what we do as humans. It's, it's normal. Uh, but, you know, you know, just and I don't want to commoditize medical care, but I mean, it's, that's the analogy that I use when you go to, you know, Amazon or something like that is is that as you sort through things out, you're going to throw out the the really good one, you're going to throw out the the really bad one, and you're going to see what's in the middle. And there's no way to 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 take it away. It's just something that's going to be a necess- necessity to kind of deal with. So, have you ever heard of uh, negative ratings really causing issues for a physician? Um, well, I mean, it, it's written about a lot in the press. Um, and there, there's there's been a lot of physicians who have um, you know taken the step of uh, suing the rating site. I haven't seen them, a lot of them being uh, successful at that. Uh, I don't know any stories specifically, but I'm sure they're out there as far as um, you know negative ratings affecting people. I mean it's it's like it's like a word of mouth word of mouth. Now I'm in a small town. Uh, if, if somebody's talking bad about me, um, you know, not online, you know, sure, that's going to affect my business as well. I just won't know about it. 
Um, so, you know, negative talk is going to happen, you know, whether it's in real life or in digital world, and it just, it's just going to happen. So I'm, I'm really interested uh, in kind of the, the spectrum of uh, how physicians are accessible. For example, uh, we're, we're kind of chatting here with Dr. New, and hopefully he calls in here in a little bit out of Lawrence. And uh, he's very accessible. I mean, patients can text him, like we mentioned earlier. Patients can uh, Skype him. Uh, he does house calls. It's very, very, very uh, personal relationships with these patients. And there's, there's also other physicians where, like you mentioned, you go on Google and you can't find anything. They don't have a website. They don't have a Facebook or Twitter. I mean, you, you can barely find out where the practice is. Um, my, my question to you is, uh, do you see at some point kind of a, a melding of the two together as far as, uh, this is kind of the standard of care when it comes to te- the use of technology within a practice, and uh, and what what can we do to make uh, or what's going to happen to make that type of thing uh, work out? Um, well, I mean, as I was saying before, the, the the legal questions definitely have to be addressed at some point um, because um, you know from an attending standpoint, from a physician standpoint, it all it does it takes one malpractice case to kind of you know really damage your career uh so so it's it's difficult to to see how it is all going to play out what dr new does i mean he he does this all you know new kind of model of care you know that's not even you know on insurance companies that much um and he is using technology is is he putting himself at risk legally doing this stuff some people would argue yes uh so um and, and the medical community and the medical industry are trying to address some of that stuff, like having password-protected email and and uh, all that kind of stuff to, to try to uh, to try to address some of these things. Uh, but it, it, it's it's always slow going uh, when it comes to technology and medicine. Uh, and, and I don't I'm hoping that we'll find a quicker way to address it, but um, I don't see it uh, happening very quickly. Thanks for that answer. Uh, this is Michelle. I have a little bit of a transitional question. Um, tell us a little bit about your practice. Um, you know, how many other doctors, or if it's just yourself, and how technology kind of shapes your practice. Are you guys totally transitioned to electronic medical records? Are you able to email patients? Tell us a little bit about that and the scope of what you're doing here on the side in relation to how you practice on a daily basis. Yeah, I'm in a uh, I'm going to practice with four other family physicians in this, this small town uh, here in Northeastern Ohio called uh, Salem, Ohio. Um, and I think in the whole county we have maybe 2,000 people. Um, we go to the hospital, um, and uh, yeah, we we are uh, using electronic uh, records. We're doing electronic prescribing. Um, the the other doctors in the practice um they, they don't really know or understand much of what I'm doing as far as these social media type of things but uh they they're curious about it uh and, and how I use um social media is that I use it as a patient education uh to let them know hey you can read more about this you know cuz I tell doctors a lot i mean there's you know we very little time in the office uh, to do a lot of teaching and things, and, and there's things that docs say, you know, 10 times a day, you know, like, you know, the flu shot does not cause the flu. Uh, but I can tell them and say, hey, you can go to this website. It gives you, like, a nice five-minute YouTube video. You can get more information about it, and then you can talk to me about it when you come back on your follow-up visit. So I use a lot of it for, um, for uh, patient education-type purposes. Do the do the patients 
do the patients respond to that? I mean, do you see success with that? Oh, yes, they do. I mean, it's because uh, uh, it, it, it makes me be more, more proactive about that type of information because there's a lot of my office visits where I am saying, you know, this is why what Dr. Oz says is incorrect or this is why, you know, the doctor's, you know, show is not correct. So I, I sometimes I spend a lot of my office visit that very limited time trying to negate some of the stuff that they see on television. And, and I see uh, me using social media to say, hey, this is um, me being proactive and saying, I want you to go there, you know, not really, not really like a prescription, but kind of like a prescription. I want you to watch this. And when you come back, um, then we're going to talk about it. Or if I'm running really late, which actually happens, <laughs> uh, most, people have, most people have a cell phone. And I'm like, well, okay, on your smartphone, go to YouTube, watch this, and I will be back you know, after I see my next patient, and then we can talk about it. Right. Right. Um, actually, um, that's why I love this chat room. So I have, I have this heads up. So I have, uh, I have a, a special quote-unquote mystery guest on the line. <laughs> uh, and and uh, we'll, we'll see if we can bring him, bring him in here. Uh, 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 hello, hello, mystery guest. Uh, who are you, and, and where are you calling from? Uh, I'm calling from the Great Midwest, not too far away from uh, KCUMB. Yay! Uh, <laughs> so this is our good friend uh, Dr. New, and uh, it, it's his fault that uh, uh, that I'm in with this podcast, but uh, <laughs> it's all his fault. So, uh, so Dr. That's New, I, I know. I know that you're in the room next to them, and you're actually just calling in. But, <laughs> well, the, um, the Midwest but the people, is kind of spread out, so it's not quite the next room, but not too far away. That's right. Uh, and he's uh, at the newcare.net, and he's been on the show. He's been on the Your Health Talk uh, podcast before. Um, so, Dr. New, let, let, let me ask you. So you, you started your new website, and it's very exciting. I was going to bring you back on, on the show to talk about it, but uh, – uh, tell people about your new website and 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 how that fun uh, process was put that together. Well, it was awesome, and I think it turned out really good. I, I first wanted to say that uh, the the students uh, who are doing the Your Health uh, Talk podcast are some of the most impressive med students I've ever met, and I, I I'm probably a little bit biased because I did go to medical school at KCUMB, um, right. but I I I'm, I, I'm somewhat. Uh, familiar with what med students around the country are doing as far as technology and social media. Um, and the fact that they have done this so early in their medical training um, and put together a product that is, you know, quite, quite frankly, am amazing for a group of med students. And obviously their, their backgrounds come through in that. Um, but I think it's just, it's amazing. And I, I thought it was a really cool service when I actually saw it. And I, I wasn't even, I don't remember how I got introduced um, to their podcast, but um, I, I thought it was really awesome right when I saw it, and then I discovered that they were from my med school and about 100, you know, uh, not even 100 miles, probably 50 miles away from me, and I, I was just blown away with what they've accomplished in such a short period of time. So uh, well, I just wanted to give props to them and, and say that they, they are awesome. We're, uh, we're radio blushing right now, just so you know. We're <laughs> nice. definitely radio blushing. Der nice. Deserve to be. <laughs> uh, anyway, you know, my, my, I, I released a new website. I, I built my first website uh, for my medical practice um, when I was in residency, um, you know, on those night call, night shift rotations in the middle of the night. I was on my, on my, uh, my laptop building my website, and it turned out pretty good, but it was kind of scatterbrained, um, and I think uh, my process of building the practice kind of uh, got melded into my website. So 
I, I looked into different ways to, to rebuild my website and make uh, make the description of my practice uh, more concise. And so I use uh, Squarespace, uh, which I believe, uh, Dr. Mike, you, you use Squarespace, is right? Is that right? Yes, that's right, sir. Yeah. So, so use the use the use the platform, uh, you know, online platform to do that. And I think it's it, my new website's it ended up pretty pretty nice. And we're integrating a lot of cool services to interact with our patients on there. So, uh, but also doing it on the cheap. You know, a lot of people think that it's just so expensive. You know, and a lot of docs will say, well, I can't do that because uh, it's just too expensive to do a website or or to offer electronic services. And and some of the vendors out there do charge a heck of a lot of money. But um, uh, if you have just a little bit of tech savvy and and ambition, you can figure out how to do it for not too much money. Mm-hmm. Dr. New, we're uh, looking at your website right now, and uh, two thumbs up from this end here. It looks awesome. It does look great. It looks great. Well, uh, coming, one of you guys is a, is a graphic designer, right? And that's who designed your... Kindle, you yeah. Kindle's in charge Kindle. of all that stuff. Yeah, so if, if he thinks it's good, then I'm <laughs> I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to know. I, I want to know what you're going to put in health education that that, that doesn't suck, Link. What are you going to put in there? <laughs> well, I think it's a nice segue with what what uh, Dr. Savilla was saying. Um, I've I've had this ambition to create um, health education stuff for my patients, much like um, Dr. Savilla does on Facebook. But what I, I found is that as much as I like Facebook and as much as I like Twitter, um, it's not a it's not a a good repository of of either sharing information or or that I create or that somebody else creates, and so I I have trouble telling people to go to this one resource. Um, there's lots of stuff out there, you know, WebMD and the you know the government has government has some some decent websites, but they're all very bland, um, very difficult to digest, and and I I would really like it if there's a great place that I could just send my patients um, to. So they can understand my views uh, on an issue, or to get just get some nice background education on a on a chronic disease uh, issue. And so, what I really want to do um, is is to create a video based platform that is me, primarily uh, on video, talking about different health issues, and and so I can send my patients there um, as opposed to them just you know asking Doctor Google, which is fine, um, but I'd much rather them hear it from me. Um, than reading ten bad bits of information before having me correct all of it. Um, well, that um, is uh, that is something that, that we've we've uh, we've hoped to uh, to kind of contribute to as well. You know, in a in a non as non professionals, I should say. But uh, we, we certainly through the through our idea of your health literacy, you know, hope to hope to shed some light in a in a non sucky. Way as, as you said on your website. <laughs> nice. Well, if you can because, make it uh, not stuck, you're probably going to be one of the best people out there. That's that's yeah. my my thought on it. <laughs> not fucking not boring. Yeah. Um. So 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 Doctor New, uh, before I let you go, uh, so do, do you have uh? Well, well, I see two questions. One, what's it like being a, a guest on the podcast? I mean, uh, is the green room nice? I mean, do they uh, do, do they treat well, you nice? Is they get in a limo or what's the deal? Absolutely. And I, I'm a difficult guest. You know, I have those crazy demands where I can only eat green M and M's and stuff. So they prepared the room very nice for me. Um, and uh, I actually did my podcast with the uh, with them on 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 campus 
there. So it, I had not been back to the med school campus since I graduated, even though I, I did two years of residency 10, 10 miles from, from campus uh, and ended up in Lawrence. It just been so busy. I actually didn't hadn't been back to campus, um, set foot on campus in, until, since graduation. So that was really great to go back and see campus and, uh, uh, you know, to be able to see where exactly they're doing this at. And like I said, I was really impressed with their product, but also just impressed after meeting them. Um, and, and hopefully they can, they can uh, you know, either, either uh, continue to do this or have uh, other students uh, take the torch for them. Uh, and, and Dr. Uba, before I let you go, uh, so do, do you have any uh, advice for these uh, these budding uh, uh, medical students as as they uh, they go through their uh, training and uh, and graduate and, and and eventually join your practice? Sleep <laughs> while you can. That's, that, that, that's the best bit of advice I can give. I, it's funny every stage you go through, um, you think it's the hardest stage until you get to the next stage. Um, yep, yep. And uh, exactly I, I thought at the time that first and second year med school were were just impossible, and it couldn't get any harder than this. If and I could just get through that stage, that the next, the, you know, there's always light at the end of the tunnel. But what I figure out is the tunnel is is much longer than I uh, anticipated. So uh, enjoy. Uh, I know it's frustrating to. To put your nose in the books, but enjoy uh, the flexibility of your uh, time right now. Because uh, once you start clinicals, and especially when you start residency, that's that's over. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. And, and, and one last thing, Doctor New. So, uh, so, so we, we can uh, we, we can shape their their minds and things. Uh, uh, yeah. uh, why uh, why why should these students uh, you know go into primary care and, and family medicine? And uh, you know, what, what, why is it a, a cool thing for you? Well, I, I I got into to medicine for many of the the reasons that that they they just quoted earlier, and um, I, I'm just a, I'm a really curious guy, not just about health and and medicine and science, but just about life in general, and uh, I don't know of any better way to fulfill that curiosity and continue to grow as a person, and uh, be more fulfilled um, in in learning about people than than doing primary care. Uh, I, I respect all of my friends who did, uh, uh, who became specialists or partialists, as I call them. Um, nice. But I think that, that <laughs> the main reason that that most people go into medicine is because they they want to feel like they're helping people and they want to develop those relationships. And um, uh, there's just no better way to do that than going into to family medicine or primary care. Great, great. Uh, how about how about you guys? Do you have uh, any uh, final questions there for our for our good friend uh, Doctor New? The mystery guest. I'm not much of a mystery anymore. <laughs> well, we just like to give you a, a huge thank you once again for being on our show and also calling in today and, and taking up your your valuable time. We really appreciate it. And, uh, no problem. We, Thanks so we, much, guys. We hope you'll join us uh, on again on a podcast in the future. Absolutely, cool in between topic. punch biopsies. Absolutely. <laughs> Punch biases. Well played, sir. Very good. All Very right. Good. Thank you guys so yeah. much and have a good day. Thanks again. All right. Thanks yeah. for calling in. Bye bye. All right. Hey, see that that's the power of social media there, kids. And I, I know that you bugged him to call in and I I, I thank Dr. New for slumming it with us and calling in <laughs> because he's he's world famous now. So uh that so is. thank you for calling in. Uh so uh you know, probably have about five or ten minutes left. Uh you you guys have any uh you know, final yeah, questions we, for me. I know you guys have some zingers that you're that you're waiting for. <laughs> we already used those up. <laughs> we're actually just uh, we're, we're curious what what your future plans are with uh, with your podcast and uh, and uh, your your integration in social media. Are, are, do you have any big plans coming up in the future, or uh, are you going to continue what you're doing? Uh, just tell us a little bit about that. 
you know, that is a great question. That That is the probably one of the most frequent questions I've, I've uh, gotten in the past six years I've been doing this. So, hey, Mike, what's your uh, what's, what's the game plan? What's the strategy? Are you going to uh, uh, just do media and not do medicine anymore and seeing patients? And uh, uh, I, I guess to my detriment or, or, or not, uh, I actually don't have a plan. <laughs> Um, uh, uh, I'm uh, I'm lucky enough and I'm blessed enough to do what I love doing and that's seeing patients. Um, I I don't see myself uh, leaving that even though it is a you know, broken healthcare system, and we could be doing things better from a system standpoint. Um, I see myself still doing, you know, full-time uh, private practice. Um, I see patients every day in the hospital and in my office, and I've been trying to fit in all of the social media stuff in, in the middle of that. Uh, one of the benefits that I've had is that I, I have met a lot of people across the country and around the world who, um, from their standpoint, uh, want to tell their story. And I've met a lot of great patients. The diabetes community in social media is huge. Um, and as you can probably guess, they're very techie because, you know, they're using uh, you know, blood sugar machines and insulin pumps and all that kind of stuff. There's also a lot of other great uh, patient communities out there, too. And, and, and I go there to, to learn. I don't go there to say, I'm Dr. Savella. Uh, I go there and learn what the unique uh, needs that they have. Uh, one of my good friends, uh, Carrie Sparling, is a patient with diabetes, and uh, she's had a blog for longer than I have. And, and uh, she asked very unique questions that I could never answer for my patients. For example, you know, she wrote a blog post a few years ago uh, uh, asking, you know, how do you hide an insulin pump in a wedding dress? Uh, and that's mm-hmm. something that I could never ever uh, address with my patients. So I go there and I listen and I learn. Um, and that's one of the great things about social media. Dr. Savilla, um, I can answer that question for you. I'm sure she did on her blog. My sister-in-law just got married uh, last June, and her seamstress sewed a pouch inside of her wedding dress that she could put her insulin pump in. That's great. That's great. See, that, that, that's, about, that's, about, that's about anything that I could even answer for my for my patient. And uh, that, <laughs> I mean, that's you know that that's what I love about social media. Yeah. Um, actually, let me let me answer your question. You you, uh, you sparked a you sparked a thought in my mind there. Uh, you talked about you know staying in private practice. Um, you know, technology. I think with with you know electronic health records and uh, you know other aspects of you know big pieces of equipment that are are more and more required uh, in the clinic. Um, technology has kind of played a role in um, in pushing the uh, the doctors as employees. Uh, sort of uh, revolution, you might say. Uh, do you think? Do you think social media, in a way, can um, can act as a way for physicians, in pri- physicians like yourself, in private practice, to to save that private practice identity and to you know to really uh, build that that identity uh, online and, and keep them from being uh, gobbled up, you might say, by a by a big hospital system or a big corporation. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on that? And really, just on that uh, trend in general of moving from private practice to uh, an employee system. Yeah, I mean that's a um, that's an unfortunate thing that that is happening um, in the physician community in, in the provider community is that we unfortunately we are becoming more siloed, more segmented. There are doctors who only are in the office now. There are doctors who are only in a physician uh, or in the hospital now. There are doctors who are employed by a huge hospital system. There are people like me who are in private practice, and we're becoming more and more segmented out there, and, and there's, it's becoming more and more difficult to find 
peers to find physicians who are like me in private practice to dialogue with them um, and say, hey, you know, what, what's happening in, in your neck of the woods? What is happening um, in your state or county or city? Um, and how can I uh, utilize your experience? Or uh, because, you know, I, you know I, I see patients in the hospital and in my office, but I, I don't, I'm not an employed physician, so I don't know what uniquely that they need. Um, and, and that is a great question. I mean, trying to trying to, to understand what other uh, communities in medicine uh, are doing as far as the only the hospital physician or only the office physician, because uh, that's a trend that you guys are going to see. I mean, it's, uh, you know, some of you are going to become hospitalists only in the hospital. Some are going to be just in the office. It's going to be not so much doing everything anymore. And that's something like primary care and family medicine uh, treasures so much. Uh, and, and uh, yeah, I, I do see social media trying to to bring those groups together uh, and say, hey, you know, we, we can we can come together to talk about issues. We can we can be advocates even uh, uh, when we talk to uh, legislators at the local, state, and federal levels and saying, hey, you know, this is why our our, our healthcare system is broken. I can tell you, me from a private practice standpoint, my colleague who's a hospitalist can tell their story. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely do see a role for it. I don't know how that's all going to work out yet because the trends are always changing. Uh, but but social media as a communication device, as a networking device, is very powerful. I think we're still at the tip of the iceberg on how to utilize that effectively. So I got uh, I, I have one more question for you, and it's kind of a zinger. Um, what we talked about earlier was what kind of exposure to uh, social media and medicine and, you know, our online reputations uh, as, the, as future physicians, you know, how much, how much exposure do we get of that in the classroom? And, our, and that's what you asked us, and our answer was pretty much nil. Um, and, and, you know, I think a big reason for that is uh, there's not too many experts out there. Uh, now, it's obviously something, you know, you and, and, and us, we, we all feel – passionate about is that that's something that medical students need to learn. So uh, I can only think of a couple people who would be qualified enough to uh, come and lecture to medical students about that sort of thing. Is that something in your future? Uh, yeah, I, I have physician groups um, who ask me to come and speak um, about my experience and what I think. Um, and even I was talking to somebody about this this morning. Um, my wife and I are going to Alaska next month for a week, and, and the family practice uh, organization up there has asked me to speak, but we're kind of making a vacation out of it. And uh, um, I've had a lot of people uh, come and talk to me and, and say, hey, what do you think about it? What do you think about um, trainees? What do you think about medical students friending uh, their patients. What do you think about that? Can you come and talk about that? Uh, so yeah. So I, I, in addition to my online stuff, sometimes people come and, and ask me to talk. And and yeah, you're right. I mean, it's uh, um, it's uh, it's it's really interesting uh, talking about something that I'm passionate about and that I love. And um, but people ask, you know, uh, treating me like some kind of expert. That's kind of a humbling experience. But uh, it's 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 been a very fun ride uh, sharing that story. That I think social media is awesome. Well, um, we'll talk to our administration. We'll see if we can't get it set up, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, they're probably listening right now. Uh, yeah, yeah right? I, 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 I love the school. The school is awesome, <laughs> exactly. especially so the president, the administration. So I, I get you guys coming. <laughs> um, well, I, I think that's all the questions we have for you today. Um, we, we certainly appreciate you spending the time with us. 
Uh, great, great. I mean, it, just with the remaining uh, uh, minutes that we have left, I mean, I did want to ask you. I mean, does you know, yeah. does the uh, know what you're doing? I mean, have you gotten any call from the dean's office as far as what what's up? What's the deal? I mean, well, we made sure, uh, uh, just as far as you know, uh, being fully disclosed, I should say. Before we got started, we talked to our administration, uh, certain members of uh, on campus that we felt uh, would have um, the, I guess you could say, the authority to make uh, to be aware the proper authority to be aware of the situation uh so we talked to people there were concerns about you know uh liability not that we ever say anything that could be um sensitive because we just interview you know we're really just journalists honestly we're medical student journalists is what we are because uh, like we said earlier we don't provide any advice or or health recommendations it's just it's just all you know interesting stories that's what we're that's what we're putting out there um, but we made sure that they under, they knew what we were doing, and and uh, we we took their uh, their concerns um, in stride, and and we all decided you know this is how we're going to go forward as a unique entity, a, a, a solo entity uh, made up of people who go to school at our school, and and that's uh, and that's kind of the relationship that we have with them. But uh, but they're proud of what we do. Certainly, they've uh, they've shown that through some uh, some, some interest by. Doing some uh, interviews uh, in one of their publications, and um, and uh, and it's a good relationship. Great, it's great, great. Yeah, I I I, I hope you find uh, you guys find a way to kind of perpetuate it because um, I know as, as people schedules get even more hectic, mm-hmm. um, you know, being in the, on the wards in the hospital um, right. to I don't know maybe bring new voices in or or maybe even people from the undergraduate level. I mean, I, I know you know the uh, the potential for this is just huge. Um, it's just, you know, the sustainability of the whole thing is, is just very it can it be is. difficult. Yes. And you, yeah, you hit the nail on the head there. Sustainability is our number one issue, uh, you know, finding finding people to, like you said, take the take the torch and carry it on. It's, it's difficult, you know, to uh, get people as excited about an idea that you started, you know, <laughs> you know, they, everybody gets excited about their own idea, but, you know, instilling that, uh, that sense of, urgency and passion in someone else is a little bit more difficult, but we have had some success already with uh, finding interested first-year students, and, you know, we're going to be in Kansas City for two more years, uh, you know, out in the clinic, uh, and uh, and we'll, we'll keep coming back to next year's first class, and, and the year after that's first class, and so we hope to have, you know, a good a good a line of interested folks and uh, coming down the pike and, uh, and, and ready to take over when we leave, because we do always want this to be a medical student-run uh, organization. We don't. We don't want to be. I mean, with no problem being, you know, the the oversight of the organization. But we really want it to be uh, medical student operated, uh, even after we leave. So that that's our goal. Um, I guess on the line have been the hosts of the uh, Your Health Talk podcast. Check them out at yourhealthtalk.org. And, and uh, my uh, my question uh, for everybody or, or people who want to uh, who want to chime in uh, is my last question is so so for for people you know who are curious about your podcast and, and what you guys are doing, uh, why should they listen? Why should they uh, subscribe on iTunes? Um, maybe give a little little plug for your show there as as we kind of close things up today. Absolutely. Um, we have a show that is uh, intentionally um, produced for everyone. Uh, we are medical students asking questions to medical professionals, professionals excuse me, like yourself, uh, but we want to do this in a way that is understandable uh, and, and accessible to, to the general audience, and that, that is our goal, to serve as a, 
as a liaison between medical professionals and the, and the, uh, and the general public. Um, we, we talk about interesting stuff. We talk about all different sides of medicine, uh, you know, not just clinical stuff. We've talked about clinical, but we've also done the social media today. We've done the healthcare policy, stuff that, stuff that in one way or another affects everyone, not just medical students, not just doctors. Uh, we also have, you know, a host of other, uh, of other online content with written articles and, uh, and a blog. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's all very accessible either through, you know, Twitter, you know, Facebook, yourhealthtalk.org. It's all right there for you. And, uh, and, and we, we encourage people to come and, and, you know, send us notes and ask us questions, and, and we'll do the best we can to get you information and resources that are appropriate. And, uh, and, and we, uh, we, hope to, we hope to grow, and like yourself, you know, we're very jealous of your Twitter following. And uh, we, we hope to grow and, and be a source for, uh, for good information, kind of like what Dr. New is talking about, what you're talking about. You know, we just want to we wanna provide, we have a passion for providing quality information and really interesting stories. Uh, you know, we slap a humanistic as- aspect on anything we can uh, to make it, you know, relatable to anyone, and, and, that's, and that's what we're doing. Wow, that's great! All right, <laughs> I can't think of uh, any better way to uh, to end the show. Anything else from anybody else before before we close things up here today? No, just just a huge thank you once again. It's been it's been a great time. All right, great, great. So uh, uh, thanks everybody for for joining me. Uh, it's yourhealthtalk.org. This has been really fun. We got to do this again uh, sometime. This absolutely. Is, uh, it's been fun having everybody on, and uh, uh, it's one of these days when I head out to the KC area. I uh, want to see the, the lavish or Health Talk studios, and uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, you guys can, uh, can, can grill me uh, in person. So, uh, But thanks Absolutely. so much for the time. I, uh, I really appreciate it. And, uh, hey, good luck on boards. I know you guys are going to be uh, kicking butt on that. And, uh, oh, uh, and it, it, it's, uh, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, so thanks so much, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, all right, kids. So that ends my show here today. And I want to thank Dr. New for calling in. I, I do want to thank uh, Tim for being in the chat room and all our guests to be in the chat room. My name is Mike Savilla. Go check out FamilyMedicineRocks.com. And uh, we will talk to you all very soon. And follow me on Twitter and Facebook and all that good stuff. Have a good week. Have a good weekend. And uh, we will talk to you all very soon. Uh, goodbye. Goodbye.